Hi everyone, Ioni and Olivia here and we're so excited to be presenting a brand new limited podcast series exploring modern identity. Made in collaboration with Monkey, The Skin You're In explores what it means to be alive today and the biggest issues affecting our generation. From period poverty to body positivity, gender and race, we want to know where the conversations are at and what we can do to move them forward. We're talking to the people at the forefront of these issues, enacting change through their work and lives. So let's go. This is episode four, five of six. Wow. Absolutely flying by the penultimate episode. And today we have Shelby Lawman from Awards for Good Boys, Yeah, which I feel like this one is really good timing. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with it, Shelby's work is focused around how we celebrate people for doing the bare minimum and like who gets celebrated and why. And I think the conversation is just really good timing because it's like also who gets expected to do more and why. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is based around online activism, which is kind of something that's came up on like every single episode about how to like exist safely, productively and kind of like influentially in like with more work yeah. being an influencer with like social change as the desired outcome of the influence yeah totally and I think like a lot of the strands we spoke to Shelby about are kind of things that I definitely have been speaking about in my like peer group or whatever but haven't really seen vocalized in a public way so I'm really excited to like get some of these thoughts out there so here it is Shelby and Shelby's dog who's only like in it for a second but I mean Ken. They were there the whole time. The star of the show. Just very well behaved. (laughs) (laughs) Here it is. Hey, Shelby. Hello. Hi, Shelby. So for anyone who might not be familiar with you or your work, do you want to give us a little introduction? Yeah, my name is Shelby. I draw cartoons and write things on Instagram at Awards for Good Boys. I have a book out by the same name, Awards for Good Boys. I write a newsletter about similar things, similar things being why do we award people for doing the least? Who do we put on pedestals? What is performed goodness? What's real? What's Clem? Can you stop? Um, (laughs) My dog Clem is here and she is really involved. Yeah, cartoonist, writer, thinker. Sometimes I'm funny. Usually I'm serious. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you kind of get started and also because you've been doing it for a fairly long time now what have you seen change in that time yeah it's been an interesting world it's also my personal trajectory with cartooning and then also kind of watching the internet is kind of fascinating I think Mm -hmm. so I was writing about basically how social media impacts relationships and the brain and um, our lives professionally and I loved doing that work but the pace of it was just really fast and it didn't kind of let me go into all the corners I wanted like it was very much like news blurbs and I was sort of like I want to get into the theory of what this is doing to us like I learned a lot about the actual mechanics of it and sort of the policy around tech and tech regulation but I was like I want to go deeper and I've always been really fascinated about technology and romantic relationships so I sort of started writing about that and then while I was writing about all of this tech stuff, I started drawing uh, at lunch, basically, and came up with this project, Awards for Good Boys, sort of starting just like shooting them into the void at lunch. And it was just this very, I mean, it didn't happen um, that quickly. But when I look back, it is this surreal moment of like, I was writing about how tech manipulates 
your mind and relationships. And then kind of using all of that insight, I started making these cartoons that were things I wouldn't be allowed to publish. It was anonymous for a while and kind of used all of these things I knew about how manipulative tech is to then like get people to watch um, my stuff. And then, you know, in the course of, you know, a few years been doing this, have just really been constantly taken aback by like how surreal it was to be writing about how influence shapes you and then sort of become a quasi influencer of sorts. So I think that like if people have picked up on a cynical undertone to my work and how I relate <laughs> to the internet, that's spot on. <laughs> that's very, very much there. I think, you know, it's a double edged sword, but I think more people are kind of becoming aware of how complicated it is. Yeah, it feels like especially a couple of years ago, there was this really weird time where it was like if you were a woman and you were drawing then you're kind of lumped into this whole like girl power illustration moment oh fully which mm. didn't fit like I suppose I didn't feel wholly cynical to it at the time but looking mm. back on it it seems absolutely bananas that that happened because there's no correlation between any of your work apart from the fact that you are women yeah I 100% was like inextricable from that I sort of rode that wave and I think a lot of my early work it's this weird thing where it's like, I don't know if I was shaped by that kind of circle and then made work to kind of speak to it, or if I was making work first and then it sort of shaped that bubble. Wow. Like, I don't know where it comes from, but I definitely was making things a few years ago that I wouldn't make now. And not because I think it's like especially egregious, but there was a lot of sort of these sort of simple, like, men are trash. I wouldn't say it was girl power. Like, I want to believe it was like a little bit smarter than that. But it was very much like, here's, uh, you know, here's how humans behave. Here's how men behave. Here's what we should be asking for. And it was sort of this like, two defined test and itinerary of like how to be in relationships, which is just not really how I feel in life mm -hmm. generally. But I think that when you're on social media, and you're in, especially like a few years ago, in these sort of like, feminist e circles where you feel like you're all kind of like doing something really important and some of that might be like who knows I could see firsthand that what resonated with people were not sort of these weird comics about you know something totally unrelated it was like the this is why this is bad and this is why you can laugh at men being horrible and like not having sheets and all of this stuff like <laughs> there was just sort of a it was like a pool of things that you could pull from that I feel like I don't know when looking back whether I am like looking at my influence in an outsized way, but I sometimes feel responsible for some of the content that I see now where I'm like, there's this really minimizing and distilled version of how people relate to each other and just like what feminism online means. And I'm like, oh, fuck, like, did I do that? Because like, that's not what I oh, think. God, at I feel all. exactly like, the same. It's so stressful, isn't it? You're like, so what have I done? <laughs> or have I like, done? I'm a nobody. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, no one even knows, no one cares. But then I'll like see things that are like, so parroting things that I've said years ago and it's so saturated at this point like it's so much a part of the fabric of what we're saying and it's again it's this thing it's like was this kind of a group think and it shaped me and I was just the one with sort of attention or are these my ideas that I'm formulating and I'm now watching other people sort of create their own little worlds and silos based on things that I've been talking about for a long time so and obviously nothing that I'm talking about is new either so there's mm -hmm. like there's so many layers to kind of finding your niche, but I do think that like 
there is this very, it's an aesthetic and it's also like a, a theoretical kind of way, I think, to be a feminist online. And there's a few different like versions of that. And I definitely was like very in that for a while where it was like, I could see that things that people liked more were like screenshots of men on Tinder, like really clear cut examples of, you know, this guy's being an asshole. And I, since like, I, I feel really weird about screenshot content in that way where like when I had a few thousand followers I would definitely like post people's names that I had met on tinder and like post the exchanges of us like arguing about what my work meant and that was like this sort of meta interaction to my work was very much part of it Mm -hmm. and I think I convinced myself that I was like doing something really urgent and political and I I still stand by the idea that like look at how upset people get at these cartoons that I'm drawing. And I think that's a useful heuristic to point to, to be like, look, I'm really not saying anything radical, but look at people's responses. But there's definitely like a narcissism inherent in that too, where it's like, why does the meta response to the work have to be like about how people are responding to me? And it just felt really weird as an artist to know that my audience often engaged more excitedly with things that were like screenshots of people being abusive to me rather than like this work that I was creating and I was like "Uh, I don't know if I want to feed into that Mm -hmm. yeah I think this is something that really bothers me about like Instagram particularly is the fact that everything you have to do has to be really obvious or like Mm -hmm. the content that does the best is the stuff that's obvious and especially as like a platform or whatever, which polyester is, it's always been about being unobvious, like, oh, it looks this way, but it's actually saying this and it's kind of like tricking Mm -hmm. you. But then I kind of tried to like toy with, okay, I'll try it. And I did like an infographic maybe a month ago about like disability. And it literally popped off and I was like, oh my God, I hate the fact that I've allowed myself to be like lured into doing these things, which I actually do not want to do. So I totally relate to, yeah, it's like, these platforms kind of urge us to perform in a way because we want our stuff to be seen and liked and Mm -hmm. engaged with but it really does flatten our ideas in a way that is very just stressful totally and I feel like that's nobody's fault like it's sort of just the way that you know the platforms are built and also like how short our attention spans are and we're gravitating towards things that look a different way like a certain way and sound a specific way but there is this sort of like do you get on the bandwagon and make like a canvas slideshow about why like your ideas are the most important? Or do you just kind of like sit and let people, you know, engage or not engage as they will? It's complicated. Like I, I sometimes feel like this pressure to create in a different way so that people will pay more attention to what I'm doing. And I also just feel, I mean, it's like, it's competitive. It's weird that like within these sort of like feminist spaces, like there are so many people sort of articulating similar things and it becomes like whoever can say this thing that's not new in the prettiest way. And like, Mm -hmm. usually that's like aesthetic. It's like who can design this best. And again, like, I don't think this is anyone's fault. I don't like shame anyone because I'm, you know, obviously part of this too. Like, I think a lot of it is just like making meaning and coping with how hectic everything is. But I do think that like it's this weird dissonance where you're trying to connect with a lot of people, but you're also trying to be like, right, but my individual way of saying it is like the superior way. But also like love is love. Make sure you (laughs) tag me when you when you repost like 
it's sinister. And I, I just, I definitely was really naive when I started cartooning. I mean, I also, my project is like, it's billed as feminist, capital F feminist a lot because yeah, like I, I think a lot about gender and, you know, how that shapes the relationships that we're in and, you know, conceptions of that. But my early work was really just like, you know, what I do now, which is like, I comment on the news. I talk about, you know, performed goodness. I make liberals really angry because they think that we're on the same team. And then I sort of wait for the moment to turn the knife and be like, actually, no, like I'm making fun of you also. (laughs) Wait for the moment. It is a constant uh, shit show. But (laughs) yeah, it's like I never really set out with this like I have a feminist mission. It it was more like my work sort of got adopted by that world. And then I think as I sort of evolved the ways that they wanted me to present and they is, you know, is broad. But there's definitely like a, a group of people who I think really looked up to me and made content that was sort of like inspired by me or you know, I was always being tagged in these like top feminists to follow, like my favorite feminist Instagram. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I just, you know, like, I would never be like, no, no, that's not what it's about. But like, sometimes it feels really dismissive. It's like, oh, that's a way to like not engage with the more like radical conceptions of the world that I'm framing for you and articulating for you. And I think that like, being like, this is about men and dating and feminism makes it, I think, easy to minimize for, like, people of all genders engaging in my work. And it also makes it easy to be like, those are just cartoons. That's just like an Instagram feminism, whatever. Like, this doesn't matter. And it's like, no, I'm putting in a lot of work to make really complicated things really, really easily digestible. And so if you get it immediately and, you know, that you just go on with your day, like, that's the point. Like, I have Mm -hmm. designed it like that. But I think this is true for all creators across any space. Like, something that is really simple to consume people just assume that it was like very easy to make and it's like no like there's so much thought that goes into how people consume things but yeah I sort of like I felt very and still feel pretty confined by this like these conceptions that other people have about what my work is or isn't and it's this very hard thing where like I think the best way to grow out of that is just to keep making work and let it speak for myself but people don't let that happen and especially in like a a platform where everyone you know can be a critic everyone can chime in immediately and just decide what you're saying and how like I have just gotten pretty just feeling like very exhausted by um the ways like that I think people want me to perform and I think that like when I kind of reeled it back in was like oh I don't really want to be creating content in this sort of feedback loop like I want to keep doing the things that I find irreverent and weird and funny and if those don't perform well like that's just an ego thing for Mm -hmm. me it doesn't actually like indicate anything Mm -hmm. but that's so hard to disconnect from like it's so hard to be like it's okay if this doesn't perform because like what does that even mean because it's easier to just be like okay I'm gonna go back in my archive find a tinder screenshot where some guy is horrible to me and I'm gonna get 30,000 likes and I'm gonna feel popular again like that's so much easier yeah just on that Shelby as well on like the kind of thinking about your like performing and your practice it's a little bit linked to the like one of the earlier questions but I think we've been like around it the whole time of how like there was really a movement of like women artists especially women illustrators and they all just got Mm -hmm. grouped together as if it was like all the same thing or for the same thing or whatever and then I know that you said like you were involved in that and it 
kind of did influence your practice but like how how does it feel for you as like an artist and your practice and your performance to have like taken a step back because I just think that maybe people listening who are involved in that kind of cycle of like yeah quick Mm. feedback and quick consumption will be like really on that trying to get that balance of like being an artist and also being pulled into all of it yeah it's really it's really hard I think that like I I was helped a little bit by my background in like actually reporting on what social media is doing to us so it was like never Mm. it got personal for me and it like is personal still but there was always a little bit of a this is a huge thought experiment that I kind of took when I was creating things and putting them online because I was like I just have been writing about this from the other side for a really long time like how surreal it is to watch how people react and how people treat me as a creator and as like a, a person but I think it's really hard to break that cycle because like I spend most of my time online telling people who else to listen to and what else to read and where to get their information and I am constantly just trying to show and not tell like look, I have a huge platform. I don't really know anything, but I am really good at cutting through the shit and I'll tell you what to look at, but you're going to have to do that yourself. Like there's only so much that I can spoon feed to you. And I think that like that took me a while to get to because there was definitely a while where I was like, I need to help everyone understand everything. And I'm going to like be glued to my phone and making sure that we're all on the same page and no one can disagree with me and I've got to make everyone happy which is just nonsense. And yeah, I think that like moving into this sort of this sort of like balance between, okay, like I want to, you know, quote unquote, use my platform in a way that feels meaningful, but also like there's no one way that it's going to satisfy everyone ever. And eventually people will get the change. And like, I've been feeling it a lot recently. It's like this eerie dissonance where we're asking people to grow and to change and to be flexible um, with their ideas and to envision this whole new world and this whole new way of being. But then when you actually change, people are like, you're faking it or what happened to you or you used to talk about things in this way. So there's a lot of emphasis on changing, but there's not actually really that much room for growing. And I think there's also this sort of expectation that if you change your mind or if you grow, you're supposed to like give an itinerary of all the things you got wrong in the past. Right. Like, right. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, yeah, like I, you know, here's a thing I believe. And someone will be like, actually, three years ago, you said this. And I'm like, yeah, I was a dumb piece of shit. I was 23. Like, I don't know anything. I still don't know anything. Like what, you know, you want me to you want me to like double yeah. down and be wrong about that old idea or do you yeah. want me to, like, be, you know, aware that I was wrong? And I think a lot of people get mad at me because like I own my shit and like I would be the first to say that I get things wrong often and I'm really loud when I'm wrong. Like it's just, you know, whatever. But I won't self-flagellate for people to like make them feel okay about where they're at. And I think a lot of people look to platform people, especially feminists, if any ilk, it feels like there's this hyper controlling relationship between audience and creator. And I've seen this with, you know, most other people online like I do not think it's unique to me at all but the sort of it's just this really bizarre paradox where like so much of my work is about like the way that we shape other people the way that we project people into being putting people on pedestals and how that is really flattening on both sides like as an audience member and as an individual and 
I spend a lot of time telling people like not to look up to me in these, you know, but like to hold me accountable. But like, you know, I'm just a stranger on the internet. Like how much do they really think that they can impact me? And when you set a boundary online and you're like, no, I won't cater to your whims, stranger, people get really angry. And so it's this constant, like, I'm fascinated by this idea that like, we're telling people to grow and change. And I'm talking about, you know, not putting people on pedestals and recognizing that, you know, people are always going to let you down. But that doesn't mean that like, you can't be hopeful for them. It doesn't mean you can't want them to do better. It just means that like, you know, sometimes like asking a stranger to do better is like really just not what you think it's doing. So I've lost my train of thought a little bit, but I'm circling back around. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's like, I think that a lot of people, when I try to sort of be like, hey, that kind of feminist chunk that people created is not real. Like everyone's an individual, everyone's doing their own thing. Everyone's making work that is different. And it's, it's really undermining to all of us to say that we're mm-hmm. all saying the same thing, doing the, the same thing. Like every time I'm included in like a roundup of like lady illustrators online, it's always like the same group of people. And I'm sure they're annoyed too. It's like, what the fuck? We're all doing really different things. Like, and I think that one is like this need to sort of like constantly be pitting people against each other in these spaces too. I also think a lot of it is like social climbing ish. And I don't think that's always bad. Like I think I certainly, when I was like, early in my internet days, like if some big feminist account shared my work, I wasn't going to message them and be like, actually, this isn't really the way that I would like to present my work. Like, I'm just a cartoonist. I happen to be a lady. Like I would retweet it or, you know, re-Instagram it and be like, yes, I'm number one. Like (laughs) you play into it to a certain extent, especially when you need that. And then um, after doing that for a while and being like, oh, no, I don't want this and sort of trying to articulate that, I think people thought that I was you know, trying to, you know, look down on or punch down on this kind of group and this sort of loosely related movement that had sort of given me visibility. And it's like, 100%, my work would not be visible if in the beginning, people did not group it with a very specific feminist wave of art. But I also that never resonated with me. And I think that like all of us ride waves that don't creatively feed our soul in order to like reach more people like but I'm always interested in like who is asked to account for that and I do think that like women creators are asked to do everything and more online and like there's so Mm -hmm. much emotional reckoning there's so much projection that you deal with there's so much scrutiny like I I really have moved away from a lot of the sort of like more simple conceptions of how I was like articulating these ideas in the beginning but like it's still super true and I always kind of come full circle to this idea where I'm like there are dude cartoonists who one day a year decide that they're going to care about something and they post about it and everyone is so excited about it and then they go on their way and I don't know any other woman or non-binary creator online who hasn't been asked why haven't you been posting about insert blank thing Mm -hmm. like there is this constant need to have women with platforms be doing the absolute most and to be talking about everything, to be talking about everything in the right way, to be posting the right things, to be educational, to be funny, but like only the the funny that you can like clap at and not necessarily laugh at. Like there's just so much that I think 
being a public consumer on social media, I think it really changes the way that we want people to create for us. And so I've really stepped back because I'm like, I'm not this person and it's changing the way that I make work. It's changing the quality of my work. And like, frankly, I just don't want to pander. Like it just, I know that people are smarter than that. And like the most vocal people are unfortunately people who really seem to follow just to tell me what's wrong with me or what's wrong with my art. And I think that's also true for women with platforms. Like there's always going to be like a group of people who are consuming your work specifically for the reason of like trying to trap you in some hypocrisy. And whenever that happens, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like (laughs) I'm a person. (laughs) Like, what do you, what do you think? Like, like I'll get like even comments that are like pretty um, innocuous really stress me out because they just reveal people's thinking. Like I'll get posts being like, I usually really agree with everything you say, but this, and I'm like, will you agree with everything I say? I'm a (laughs) nightmare. Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, never know what I'm talking about. Like, please don't do that. It's also just like, it's frustrating because I, I do use my work to try to get people talking and thinking about real things and real problems and, and real shit that's going on in the world. But also like primarily my goal has always been to make people laugh. And Mm -hmm. that's a really hard thing to do when you've got an audience of people who consider themselves to be good, but not the kind that I'm making fun of. There's a righteousness involved, even in people correcting me for things or my spelling or the way that I formatted something, or it's just like, what, why why are you here? Like, is it, is it fun for people to just wait around watching people with huge platforms, like say something they don't fully agree with? Like, it's just very, it's very bizarre. Yeah. Like when I was kind of thinking about this and talking to you, it's so weird because yeah, it started as like the goodness in terms of like males and masculine males, why do I say men (laughs) and masculinity, but now like goodness is something that is so pervasive on the internet. Yeah. Like this righteousness of like, commenting on something and thinking that you know the right thing and you're just there to like make your point and make everything better but it's always through this lens of I know a little bit more than you and I'm a little bit cleverer than you and I'm going to tell you that you are Mm. that's never well intended as much as the person thinks it is it just never is full stop and it's so pervasive on the internet now that I don't really know how we can get out of it it's weird because there is this like there's people that we're super critical of and at the same time, there's people that we just completely let fly mm-hmm. doing whatever, like putting out the most innocuous bullshit that are around these issues, whether it's like feminism, gender or like whatever. It's frustrating because like, like, I don't fault anyone for coming up with things that resonate with people and that are easy to digest and, you know, look really good. And I definitely have like a bit of a like a complex around some of like I I really deliberately designed my work so that like I as a person wasn't really involved and like Mm -hmm. give me an award I've only posted one picture of myself to my feed which like who (laughs) the fuck cares like I'm not better than anyone for doing that but to me it's just this interesting thing where it's like I want my work to speak for itself and like in that process I know that people don't fully see me as like one person running this like I've been called a brand I've been called a team I mean, I think that it's just the disconnect is even further between being like, oh, there's a person that is on the other end of this and she's thinking about stuff and is receiving tons of stimuli and information, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's this it's this weird righteousness. And like, I think we all have it, especially with issues that we're passionate about. 
But I do think that it becomes this sort of inability to let people just say anything where it's like you you're just like, hello, good morning. And someone will comment being like, it's weird that you haven't touched on the fact that blah, 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 blah happened 25 <laughs> seconds ago. And you're like, right, OK, I'm not a news source for one. My big thing, too, is that like I do think that people who have influence and followers like absolutely like you know share some fundraisers it's literally the least you could do like that's just a swipe up link like go for it but I do think this you know use your platform often is directed at people who you're like why do you want like Alyssa Milano's take on anything um yeah so I think there's this conflation of being like oh person has a million followers they have to be posting everything. And those people will post like one slide and everyone will be like, I'm so happy that they use their platform. And then you've got <laughs> people with 3000 followers and they're in the streets and they're organizing every day. And they'll be like, hey, you took a day off and it's weird that you weren't posting about what you were doing on your day off. And it's like, why, why is that scrutiny? It's so much stronger and so much more intense for people who are on the same side as you doing so much and then the people who like, you know, lift one pinky, it's like, oh, incredible. I can't believe mega superstar like Chris Evans did something. It's like, why are you why do you need that in the first place? And like, I think when we make celebrities out of strangers online, which is something that happens all of the time, like the most naive thing I think that I did in the beginning of, you know, being an Internet person is I just kind of trusted everyone. I was like, oh, that person yeah. is reposting my work. They must actually like it. The idea that someone might manipulate me might try to get close with me because of the work I was making might try to seem friendlier with me than I was might try to pretend we were friends not no I was like a sweet little naive summer child it never crossed my <laughs> mind I was like everyone's mm -hmm. so lovely here and like, then I started getting more people watching and the asks sort of started changing and it was like can you promote my thing can you do this and then once some of those people who were originally really interested in me kind of got their own thing they promptly stopped talking to me and I was like oh my god I'm such a piece of shit like of course <laughs> of course and I'm really conscious about that now too like I want to be able to you know elevate peoples who have smaller followings work but that's like a fucking weird dynamic to be like I'm gonna swoop in and make sure everyone sees your work and like what a great thing I'm yeah. doing and like Maybe that person doesn't fucking want that. I certainly don't want as many followers as I have. It's a nightmare. I remember when people with big followings would repost me, I felt like I had to be grateful. Like I didn't feel like there was mm -hmm. any room to feel uncomfortable about it because like being seen and getting more followers is kind of like the implicit goal to being online. And we're all kind mm -hmm. of working around the fact that that must be our shared goal. So when yeah. you do something, it must be for clout. Like everything has these motives that we're all pulling apart at. And it's like, we don't actually know anything. Someone earlier this summer told me that I had used my very public, very horrible breakup for clout. And I like think about this all of the time because <laughs> oh I'm like, God. I wish that I had been so conniving, <laughs> yeah. to, like have been dumped and made it into like <laughs> a part of like, no, it just happened. Like it was just my life. Like, I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah like. I've been accused of using everything for clout. And I'm just like, what does it even mean? Like words don't mean things anymore. People have just, it's just totally watery. Like I feel like it's really easy to adopt language that sounds right to tell people that they're actually wrong and horrible. Yeah. And especially I think in feminist spaces, 
you're going to get a lot more of that than you would on like a Joe Rogan post. You're going to get a lot more people who are versed in the sort of superficial layer of please respect my space, please respect my boundaries, blah, 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 blah. Obviously all really good and valid things, but especially online, it's so easy to manipulate these really real tenants and misuse them to be able to shut someone down or to create drama out of something where there's not I mean people try to make drama out of everything people will like ask me why I unfollowed someone and be like is there drama and it's like the fuck like (laughs) (laughs) like why were you what like who cares I think it's really interesting as well because when I was trying to think about like basically how to talk about feminism Mm. and it's like that's something that I don't really think about that much because it's so like it's something that I consider so implicit that I am and that I should be but then also think about it completely critically all the time as well but still I'm like it's so implicit to like use these labels but it's become so restrictive and I remember when I was in my early 20s or whatever and I used to hear about like the riot girls being like feminism is too restrictive like to use as a term and I'd be like oh that's ridiculous and now I'm like yeah now I feel that way and it's such a weird way to feel about something that you do identify with or relate with or believe in yeah, I I was also thinking about it the whole time you were talking then, Shelby, about how people like the way people react to you online and they're waiting. And it's like we're constantly using modes of patriarchy and oppression mm-hmm. and hierarchy in every circumstance, even the way that they're going like, well, you, we don't really get that. So you're like in a group together and how like it's like divide and conquer and it's constantly like you're still just doing the patriarchy even though you're saying oh I don't really agree with your feminism what you're really saying is like I don't agree with you because you're a feminist mm. or you're saying like I'm better because I know a bit yeah, more I'm than better. you and I'm yeah, gonna yeah. put you down because of it like like that's the problem we have a lack of basically like community care or community-minded action mm. across the internet more broadly and there was this time on the internet where it's like we are a community because we are all these people that can identify with each other in the same way but then when careers I suppose careers is like the wrong word but like building a brand or whatever you want to call it came into it Mm. people are bounded together under communities or under groups that are similar but it's really about individually how you can build your platform and yeah be the most heard as you've already said like have the best post and like jump off of that Mm -hmm. yeah and it's come back to like individualism which is basically just capitalism Mm -hmm. yeah and then again like just reenacting a hierarchy just a slightly different one but it's still just like someone's at the top even just the criticism thing is like re- a real classist approach to be like well I'm right and you're wrong as opposed to like okay so you know are we going to talk about this like what does it mean or maybe just like you you know maybe I'm a bit older than you or I've done this you can figure that out in your own time right yeah. that's so coolly in the rest of our lives being like oh they'll get on to that soon or you know it's okay it's fine right. you know we're appropriate let people learn when they can Yeah, I feel like there's not space like in the infrastructure or really in the way we think about it to like actually get into those conversations with people. So it becomes a sort of like commenting war and then someone like wins and whoever has like the best worded thing who gets the most likes on their comment, like that's the winner. And if you're just scrolling by and you see like how everyone has sort of metrically decided who's got the better take, that person is kind of the default winner within this silo based on the way that they've articulated something and like I just I'm so exhausted by that like for many reasons but I think that like after years of articulating what I meant and then people getting 
mad at me in comments for not like speaking to the complexity of things that like could never be explained in an Instagram comment and should have had a phone call or, you know, some sort of better way, but are expected to just be accounted for like immediately. And I think it's really ableist. Like it's asking strangers to like stop what they're doing, which is a huge ask already for so many people (laughs) to articulate in the right way, which is like not everyone can do that. Not everyone always has access to words in the same way. Not everyone has. It's just like there are so many things that make that really complicated. And so I think it seems like an easy ask to be like, oh, well, just like, you know, comment back. And it's like, there's so much more at play here. And especially when you know how simple people need to make things to be able to like register what's going on. Like there's no room for nuance. And that's again, like no one's Mm -hmm. fault. It's just the actual platforms. Like no one's going to enjoy like a three paragraph, you know, block text about like really complicated things. They want like the two sentence, like this is bad and here's why. Um, And I see that all the time, like just in the sort of like mental shortcuts people make to try to figure out what's happening in my work to not have to sit with it for a second. So like, yeah, occasionally I'll name people in my work. Like I try to only name people who are like literally Elon Musk or like a politician. Like I love to cyber bully a local politician, but like otherwise, like I'm not going to be like and at like my exes, although like sure, obviously I've done that at some point. Um, whatever, it's fine. Um, but yeah, like I, everyone I draw looks exactly the same and like, this is for a reason. And like the aesthetic of my work is supposed to show you and prove to you, like, this isn't about people. It's about patterns. And like, yes, we absolutely can think about how this impacts us individually and how this appears in our interpersonal relationships. But if that's all you're doing, that's always going to fail you. And everyone's always going to fail you if you're holding everyone to a really high standard on an individual level. Like that's just not how humans function. And so to see versions of my work kind of be interpreted as that and to see people kind of scoop up sort of these broad ideas of like, stop clapping for people doing the bare minimum. And I'm like, Hey, that's my work. And like, you're, you don't get it. Like (laughs) you've taken that and put it in the wrong direction. Like, yes, absolutely. We can talk about how gender is a part of this, but if we're actually zooming out, it's really about power and like gender is obviously a part of that. And like race is obviously a part of that. Of course my work is going to be mostly about white men and women because it's about power. But like, Mm -hmm. I just see that people like refuse to let these cartoon faces be anonymous. Like every single time I post about something, you'll have people tagging people they know, tagging celebrities, tagging people I know, needing to have it be a recognizable figure in the world and like I get that instinct I so do and I'm like such a glutton for like weird media drama so I get it but Uh, (laughs) it's always so strange when people are like being like is this about at so-and-so and And it's like it's the same cartoon that I've been drawing forever they all look identical for a reason like trust me you don't know this person and like it's very weird and like you'd think that a lot of people being like oh my god is this so-and-so is this blah 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 would be like oh actually look it's everyone yeah and like the fact that I can see a specific person in it means that like this Rorschach has worked but it's so much easier to just be like "Ooh, drama mm. like who's she fighting with today and it's like <laughs> do you think this is a diary because it's not like literally like I'm performing <laughs> this is the creation like yeah like don't know what to tell you you're buying it so it's very weird 
Thank you, Shelby. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you, Clem, the dog, for being so well behaved. Yeah, that conversation, as you said, just came at the exact right time. Yeah, and it was great. And I think that it's certainly, it's just made me kind of every time I'm getting frustrated with anything that's happening online, think about how important it is that people are being more cynical in like a fun way yeah yeah 100 percent. and like it's basically just a shit show to try and like coherently sum up your thoughts or like even how you feel especially about online stuff most of the time and I feel like that was very uh therapeutic Shelby. yeah and I also think that Shelby's absolutely right like the way the the way that Instagram is set up it's not there to have this huge discourse so we need to like mm. not think that engaging with political topics on Instagram is enough I think ultimately mm. that's the main thing is that like a lot of these things require phone calls or like Zoom now or, you know, where possible face to face conversations. Yeah. So on that note, let's close out this episode. The penultimate one. Only one more to go. And next week we will be speaking to Amica George about period poverty, which is another really, really great and eloquent conversation. And I can't wait for you to hear it. But for now, thank you to our collaborators, Monkey. Thank you to you, Ioni, my collaborator and partner in crime. Thank you to you, Olivia, my partner in crime, life and strops. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you um, to Shelby, of course, and to all of you for listening. Please do leave us a review if you've enjoyed this season, as last week is the next episode, and we would love to keep making things for you. Thank you to Gina and Carlin and Izzy and Clarissa and Naya and Gina, Tonic and Hattie. Thank you so much. See you later. See you next week. <laughs>